Well, this morning, if you would, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 2 through 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, writes this. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, we are in the fourth Sunday of our month-long emphasis on local evangelism. Next Sunday morning, I will return to my expositional series on the book of Ephesians. We are working through the book of Ephesians section by section, verse by verse. But our theme for this month has been in Christ, in the community, taking the gospel to our community. The guiding principles that we've been using for effective gospel ministry in the community have been incarnation, invitation, interjection, and intercession. And I have been given the responsibility and assignment this morning to talk about the importance of intercessory prayer in evangelism, which is a subject that I find foreboding and yet exciting and intriguing all at the same time. We have heard a couple of times from Pastor Chad this month. We've heard from Pastor Ron. We had Mark Chris with us both morning and evening from the City Rescue Mission in Lansing. We heard last week from the director of our Beacon of Hope ministry, Karen Leaf, and then from one of the advisors, Roseanne Schaefer, And so now we're kind of bringing it all together with this morning's message, then our baptism membership service tonight. Before I get into the text this morning, I want to share a quote with you. So this is kind of a preface to the message this morning. Sometimes when we read a book or an article or we listen to a radio program, or listen to a podcast, there's a quote that we say, wow, that's really good. I like that. But every once in a while, we find a quote that just really stays with us. And we say, "I, I need to write that down. I need to write that down somewhere, and I need to remember that. I need to keep that with me. And I had that happen about a month and a half ago. I was read an article by David Mathis, who is the executive editor for Desiring God Ministries. The article that he actually wrote was called or entitled The Glorious Inefficiency of Prayer. Prayer's never convenient. In our flesh, in our humanness, there are always other things that seem more important or other things that we have to do other than pray. But in introducing his article, he said this, and I'm going to share this quote with you. 
He said, the next time you are tempted not to pray or don't think you have time to pray, remember, God can do more in five seconds than you can do in five years. I like that. That's something I need to be reminded of on a regular basis. Let me say that again. The next time you are tempted not to pray or don't think you have time to pray, Remember, God can do more in five seconds than you can do in five years. And that leads us to our first point as we get into the text this morning. And our first point is divine appointments. Here's my premise this morning. Here's the big idea that pastors strive for when they do sermon preparation. When we pray for those who need Christ... And as we trust the Holy Spirit moment by moment, God will provide all of us with divine appointments. Okay, as we pray for those who are lost, for those who are without Christ, and as we trust the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, as we submit and surrender to the Spirit moment by moment, God will provide all of us with divine appointments. The term divine appointment is not new. It's been used by many people. But I'm not sure that anyone used it more regularly and was known for it more than D. James Kennedy. If you're not familiar with him, he's now home with the Lord. But he was for 47 years the senior pastor at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He was also the founder of Evangelism Explosion International. Some of you who are older will remember that Dr. Kennedy was on television every Sunday morning. And many, many believers watched the church service there. He really focused in in his Evangelism Explosion training on divine appointments and really praying to God for divine appointments. He writes this, When we go with the gospel, the Holy Spirit goes before us and establishes divine appointments. What he did with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Peter and Cornelius, and for many, many others since since then, he will do for you as you trust him. And I believe that this morning. And it's true in my own life, I don't pray enough for divine appointments. What is a divine appointment? It is when God so arranges circumstances and people that he provides you with an opportunity to share the gospel. Let me give you two examples. It could happen with someone you barely know or someone you don't know at all. Maybe you just happen to come across your life intersects with someone you don't know very well. Maybe you meet them for the first time. Maybe it's someone that you had an acquaintance with years ago and they've suddenly come back into your life and you have a spiritual gospel conversation with them. Second example, it may be somebody that you know very well. It may be somebody that you have been praying for for years and then one day, God provides an opportunity for you to clearly share the gospel with that person. And you walk away in either of those examples saying, God provided. 
you want to tell somebody because you say, want to say, guess what happened? There was just this open door. There was this opportunity that I had to share the gospel. That, my friend, is a divine appointment. Everything, everything that we do in evangelism needs to begin with prayer. And we should not witness. We should not share the gospel until we have first prayed. The great Puritan author and preacher John Bunyan once wrote this. He said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Now that's been re-quoted and rephrased by many pastors and authors over the years. But it's a great quote that started with Bunyan. And it means there are many things you should do after you have prayed. But there is nothing, there is nothing you should do until you have prayed. Prayer must be the beginning. Prayer is the foundation of all evangelism. Pray for the one to whom you will witness. Pray for your own heart that the love and compassion of Christ will flow through you. In our Wednesday evening Men's Bible Institute, we're going through the 33 series, looking at the 33 years of Jesus' life on earth. We're, we did volume one, and there are six volumes, and we're going to do each volume semester by semester as we move on. But one of the things that we have learned this semester, one of the key truths we have learned this semester, is you cannot be the man that God wants you to be in your own strength. You cannot. You cannot just say, I determined to be a godly man. You must have the resurrection life of Christ living through you. It must be his love for your wife, for your children, for others. It must be his compassion. It must be his boldness. Let us pray for his love, his compassion, and his boldness to flow through us to not only be boiling within us, but then to overflow to others. Well, in verse 2, the Apostle Paul challenges all of us to commit ourselves to persevering prayer. He says in verse 2 of Colossians 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continuing or continue steadfastly literally means courageously persistent prayer. It means committing yourself to courageously persistent prayer. It means holding on to prayer and refusing to let go. That's what the phrase means. It means I'm going to keep praying when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, when it's easy, when it's hard. I am going to continue steadfastly in prayer. And it is fitting that the Apostle Paul, as he talks here or addresses the church about evangelism, about the sharing of the gospel, that he begins with prayer because prayer is one of the greatest privileges ever given to a Christian. Prayer is the strength of the believer's fellowship with the Lord. Prayer is the source of our power against Satan and against his demons. Through prayers, 
excuse me, through prayer, believers confess their sin. Through prayer, we offer praise to God. Through prayer, we call on our great high priest and intercede for one another. Prayer is to come from a pure heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Prayer is to be directed to God and always consistent with the mind and will of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is to always be spoken in the name of Jesus and prayer is to always be for the glory of God. So Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it. Being watchful here simply means stay awake. That's what it means. And if you've ever struggled or battled in prayer, it's good advice. Stay awake. Stay awake. Be watchful. It reminds us of Jesus with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, he goes to them, and they're falling asleep, and he says, could you not Watch with me for one hour. Watch and pray that you fall not into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Stay awake. Be watchful. But it means even more than just staying awake. It means to be alert. It means to be alert to those around you. Always being alert. Who are the people in my life, in my extended family, in my workplace, in my community? Who are those people? Who are those that need Christ? Who's hurting? Who's in need around me? Being alert also means being alert for yourself. What are the sins and the temptations that easily beset you, that Satan likes to use To bring you down. To frustrate you. Be alert to the schemes of the devil. We'll look at that in Ephesians chapter 6 when we get there and we look at the armor of God. But it also means being watchful. Being alert to praise God. When something happens, don't just say, Well, that worked out well. Well, that went good. Praise him. Praise him for him, for it. Thank him for it. Be alert to opportunities that you have, that we have each and every day to give praise to God, to thank him and to acknowledge his greatness and his beauty in our lives, which leads to the last part. Of verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it. With thanksgiving. Oh let our prayers always be. Saturated with. Thankfulness to God. John Piper in commenting on verse 2. Says this. He said it is possible that. Paul was thinking about many things. When he said be thankful. But he said I think the two things. That he was most thankful for. In this context was number one, his own salvation. He was thankful that he was saved, that he had received the gospel and that God had dramatically, radically, revolutionarily changed his life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. That was written many years after the Apostle Paul, but he may have sung something like that. He may have prayed something like that. But not only, John Piper says, was he thankful for his own salvation, but he was thankful for the great privilege, the great honor of sharing the good news with others, of being able to share the life-giving message of Christ with those around him. Oh, brothers and sisters, continue. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Which leads us to our second point this morning, and that is praying for open doors. Praying for open door. Open doors. Paul pleads with the Colossian believers to pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Isn't that interesting? Now notice. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, while you're doing that, while you're continuing steadfastly in prayer, simultaneously at the same time, pray for us. Paul and his companions, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word of God. Reminds us of Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus says, I open, no one shuts. I shut, and no one opens. God is the one who opens doors. Now, it's interesting. It appears from the New Testament that this whole concept of open doors was an idiom that was used frequently among people in the first century. And it continues to be a metaphor that we use frequently today. We, we often talk about open doors. Well, God opened this door for this job, or God opened this door of opportunity. And certainly we use it with the gospel. Oh, God opened a door for me to share the gospel. This is an important concept in very much of what we would call Pauline theology. Open doors. couple of examples. Acts 14.27. This is at the end of Paul's first missionary journey. He and Barnabas are coming back to Antioch and they are reporting to the church. And it says in Acts 14.27, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. Now watch this. And how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. How he... How he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. You know what an open door is? It's a divine appointment. Do you know what God wants to provide for you and for me? Divine appointments. Appointments that only God could set up with us. They may not be on our calendar. Most often they are not. But they are on God's calendar. And he wants them to be part of ours. To be ready for those divine appointments because we never know when God's going to open a door. Another example, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, I want to visit you. But first I have to go through Macedonia. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 16 verses 8 and 9. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Now watch this. For a wide door. 
of effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Which reminds us open doors doesn't mean it'll always be easy. Doesn't mean there won't be obstacles. But God provided not only an open door, but notice what Paul says, a wide door of a, for effective work has opened to me. God had provided him with many divine appointments. What happens in a divine appointment? Well, when Christians pray, God changes hearts. I want to challenge you with that this morning. I want to challenge myself with that. When Christians pray, God changes hearts. I don't understand everything about prayer. I don't understand everything about praying to an omnipresent, omnipotent God who knows the beginning from the end, even before I pray, who knows what I'm going to pray before I pray. But I do know this. Our prayers make a difference. Prayer causes things to happen. And when we don't pray, those things don't happen because God has so wired the Christian life that our prayers make a difference. God changes circumstances. God changes attitude, attitudes. God changes people's receptivity to his word so that instead of hitting a brick wall when we share the gospel, The word finds an open door and becomes unusually effective. Oh, let us pray for that. Let us pray for those divine appointments and for those open doors. Notice in verse 3, he says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, the word of God, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Now, We already learned about the mystery of Christ in the book of Ephesians. Many parallels. Many parallels between the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. The mystery, as Paul uses it in the New Testament, is a truth that was concealed in the Old Testament but has been fully disclosed in the New Testament. The mystery to which Paul refers is the content of the gospel itself. So he is saying, pray for us that God may open to us a door for his word to declare the gospel. In fact, that's why I'm in prison. I'm in prison because of the preaching of the gospel. Oh Lord, oh Lord, give us an open door for the gospel. So, Paul asked them to pray for him. To pray for opportunities for him to share the gospel. Now, I want you to notice something. You may have heard this before. But I just want to say it again because I'm always intrigued by it every time I read a passage like this. Paul didn't pray or ask for prayer to be released from prison. He asked for opportunities to share the gospel. It's so interesting. He doesn't say, oh man, keep pleading that I'll get out of this pit, this place. He said, pray for opportunities for the gospel. Now, let me quickly say it's not wrong to pray that someone would be released from prison. No one wants to be there. It may be that Paul prayed that prayer. 
and we just don't have it recorded for us. But his primary focus was the gospel. In prison, he says, Lord, open the door. Open the doors for me. Open the doors with my fellow prisoners. Open the doors with the prison guards. When I am brought before authorities, as Paul was a number of times, open the door for me to share the gospel. I'm in prison for the gospel, so let me be bold for the gospel is in essence what he's asking them to pray for. And I want you to notice that Paul asked for prayer so that he might make the gospel clear. In addition for asking for open doors, a door for the word, a door to declare the mystery of Christ, he also prays in verse 4 that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Think with me this morning. This really encourages me. The greatest preacher and missionary who ever lived besides Jesus said that the effectiveness of his preaching and witness depended upon the prayers of the church. Don't you love that? Besides Jesus, perhaps the greatest preacher and missionary the church has ever known, he says, please pray for me that I make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And if that's true, if that's true for Paul, it's a hundred times more true for me than for you. And let's pray. Let's pray that we make the gospel clear. Pray, not only for the person to whom you're going to witness, but pray for you. Pray for you that you will make the gospel clear. I pray that I would never make the gospel seem to be something it's not. Not too easy. Can't just say, make Jesus your friend. Can't just say, oh, just believe in God. No. They need to hear about the holiness of God and our own sinfulness and the substitutionary death of Christ, his sacrifice for us. And they need to hear that they individually need to make a decision to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. So Lord, help me not to make it too simple, but at the same time, Lord, help me not to make it too complicated. Help me not to make it something it's not. Help me not to add anything to it. Help me to remember that any person, any person in any walk of life in childlike faith can receive Christ as Savior. Oh, Lord, I don't want to make it too simple. I don't want to make it too complicated. Help me to make it clear. That's a good prayer. Help me to make it clear. I said there are many parallels between the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. In the Baker New Testament commentary series on Colossians, it says this. It says, you cannot understand Colossians 4, 2 through 4, unless you also read Ephesians 6, 18 and 19. I don't have it on the screen, but I just want to read it for you. It's at the very end of the armor of God. 
which I mentioned before that we'll look at when we get to Ephesians 6 in our series. But in Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, it says this. Again, Paul. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then he says this. The Apostle Paul says this. Pray also for me. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray for me. What a great prayer. Pray that whenever I open my mouth, the right words will be given to me. I don't know about you, that's a good prayer. Let us pray that for each other. Whenever I open my mouth, may the Spirit of God give me the words of God's Word to speak to others. Pray. He says, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Do you know what that means? Sometimes Paul was afraid. Sometimes Paul was tempted, like we are, to shy away from an opportunity, to shy away from an opportunity to share the gospel clearly. He says, pray that I will do it fearlessly. Let us pray that for one another. Let us pray that we will not be afraid. Because in our flesh, in our humanness, we are often afraid. Oh God, by your Spirit, Help us to share clearly and fearlessly. What a prayer. I say to all of us this morning, every single one of us here, to all the pastors, to all the elders, to all the deacons, to all the Sunday school teachers, to all the small group leaders, to all the Beacon of Hope workers who are here this morning, to all the Awana workers who are here this morning, to all of our members, to all of our regular attenders, I say to you, God, the living God of heaven and earth, wants to give you divine appointments. He does. God wants to open effective doors for you. God wants to open doors for you in your life. And God wants to enable you to share his gospel clearly and fearlessly. He wants it for all of us. It's not some special privilege given to an elite few. It's for all of us. It's the great honor and privilege and joy that God has given to all of us. But, but it all begins with prayer. It must begin with prayer. It always begins with prayer. So, if we are to share his gospel, we must do it with his divine power and his divine enablement. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great honor of sharing your gospel with others. 
Help us to pray. Lord, I pray for all of us. Help us to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Oh, Lord, open for us doors. Open doors for us. Give us divine appointments to share your gospel. And may we do it for the great spread of the gospel worldwide and for the glory of our heavenly Father. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.